Hello, this is Matt Marone, the worship pastor here at Glen Ellen Bible Church, and you're listening to the Next Level Podcast. Today, we're going to answer listener questions from Sunday, October 24th, 2021. Hi, I'm Simone Halpin. And I'm John Vanderbilt. Thanks for tuning in today to the Next Level Podcast. Good afternoon. Rainy afternoon. Mm-hmm. Afternoon. Hey, Kelly's not with us today. Yeah. It's just the three of us, guys. How are we mm-hmm. feeling? Uh, really good. Well, we, we, we already switched things up being that we're meeting at a different time. You yeah. know, we're just yeah. taking matters into our own hands. Yes. Yeah. It was funny. Uh, we have, well, you guys know, obviously, but we have this group, that group text mm-hmm. thing that we have. And I thought it was hilarious how Kelly could just not resist himself. Oh, totally. Because <laughs> you sent him a question. Qu- yeah, because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like, right. hey, guys, here's some questions. And he's like answering them. I'm like, you're not even going to be there. You don't get to, you don't get to weigh in. <laughs> it's like, it's a compulsion. <laughs> and then, then, then you say something like, it's actually Sherry. Like, yeah. she's, she's your ghostwriter. <laughs> yeah, something right. Something like that. <laughs> That's funny. It's good. It's yeah, good. Yeah, man. So how, how are you guys feeling? Good. Feeling Did, good. Good. Just, just in just general? Been a lot of droopy. <laughs> okay. I just in the last few mm-hmm. days, it's just yeah. nothing but yeah. rain. I just yeah. drove, I just, my family just dropped mm-hmm. me off from Indiana, um, like to here, mm-hmm. um, like an hour ago. Yeah. So we drove to Indiana and back yeah. four times in the last three, four days. That's and crazy. And every time it was just through yeah, constant it's just rain. It's been not great weather. Yeah. But you know what? I think I told you. This last week, I, I went on a trip. Did I tell you? Yeah. I, went to I the, was going to ask about mm-hmm. it. Yep. So the Grand Canyon oh, cool, and yeah. hiked it down and up. And you made it. It's called Clearly You're Back. To rim. Clearly I'm back. Yeah. So I'm sore. That's what I was going to yeah. answer. I uh, am still feeling the impact of wow. a 12 hour. How long did it take? 12 hours. 12 hours. Mm-hmm, 18 Wait, is, miles. Isn't there like a, a sign with a time or something like you have to be past this checkpoint? No. By by a certain time, and if not, then you can't go down because you won't. Get oh, back, that could be because you won't get back up in time to yeah. for the day. You okay. know, like you'll be stuck down there to be dark. You can't. Yeah, see, like, yeah, that could cold. be. We left at like six in the morning. Yeah, so right. It right. was cold when we left. Hot when we got down. How, how many people were you with? Fourteen. Yeah, oh, cool. it was awesome. I r- highly recommend it if anybody's looking for a little adventure. Yeah. So just a little, just a little hike. <laughs> yeah, for you guys hikers. <laughs> The hikers? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Maybe a little bit. Just getting into it. Let's yeah. say that. But it was awesome. It was really cool. It's fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And um, Sunday, um, Sunday was fun. Banjo Sunday. It was a banjo mm-hmm. Sunday. Yeah, I got an email about it. Just somebody just emailed. Just loves love oh, hearing the banjo. The, oh, I was like, mm-hmm. oh no. I'm like, Whenever no, no. I hear it, email. I it triggers you. <laughs> <No>. I'm triggered. <laughs> Um, no, it was, it was, it was good. We had a, it was the, I've never done that before. I've always wanted to do a three guitar attack, you know, yeah. which is, it's, you're kind of, kind of getting into some dangerous water because guitar can, you know, well, I call it campfire playing. So when people is. show up to get into, infused into a band and try to play, they cannot play campfire style. Campfire style is like where you're just playing the the crap out of that thing, man. I mean, you're just like, <laughs> it just doesn't stop. The strums are yeah, just, they're just, everywhere. Everybody's In the context of a band, it. there's yeah. no room for that mm. because there's other mm-hmm. people that are mm-hmm. playing with you. So you don't have to feel. So anyway, with a, with three guitars, guitarists are, are most prone to camp, camp firing. So right. now I had three of them. And so it was great, anyway, but it was fun. It was, it was fun. To do I that. want to give a shout out to Amy Cooley. I love her. Coli. Coli. Yes. yes I know right. her so well. I say your <laughs> last name correctly. Best friends. Um, no, really. Our daughters have played soccer together for years. Um, oh, cool. I've not been, I can't remember the last time I've seen her lead worship. She was amazing. Amy, yeah, she did you're great. amazing. She did yeah. great. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. And we had two two new people up on the platform, Jeff Larson and Drew Elliott. They were the, the two guitar players. Wow. So that was yeah. fun. Crushed was it. Fun. Yeah. Beautiful. And, um, yeah, good message yesterday. Message was okay. Like, who was that? <laughs> who was that guy? <laughs> kind of remember him. No, message was awesome. Oh, it was good. Yeah, it was kind of fun to go back into uh, into Revelation because we kind of just kind of went fast through the the seven churches, and so I thought yeah. it was good to kind of go back and dig into yeah. that stuff a little bit. We'll do the same thing next this coming Sunday, Halloween Sunday. Mm. Yeah. Hey, was there a reason why out of all seven, 
you chose Laodicea? Um, so Grant and I worked together on picking which, you know, would work best mm-hmm. for us. Mm-hmm. And I felt like, um, so Laodicea is known as the, the harshest uh, word that Jesus gives to any of the seven churches, because if you read through all the words that he gave to the seven churches, he, there uh, is always a compliment. Mm-hmm. You are doing this, this, and this, but I have this against you, he says. With Laodicea, there isn't any positive given. It goes right into the challenge uh, that they have. Not that he doesn't love them and care for them, but it is, it's kind of known as the, the harshest mm-hmm. word that Laodicea was in the, the roughest spot mm-hmm. of any of the seven churches. And um, just, just by the reading of it, you can kind of tell. So, um, so that was kind of intriguing to me. Mm-hmm. I also think that the struggle in the church in Laodicea, and, and it, this isn't me coming up with this on my own, lots of pastor scholars mm-hmm. would say, mm-hmm. um, that the similarities to what was happening in Laodicea are probably most closely associated with Mm -hmm. the struggles in the evangelical, particularly the the suburban or urban kind Mm -hmm. of evangelical uh, church. So I felt like, yeah, I mean, I I also felt like our church can handle it because there's, it's a, it's a difficult word Mm -hmm. in there. It's, It's a it's mm-hmm. a very difficult word that's in there for Laodicea and to all mm-hmm. who can hear, right? All who have ears who can hear. Yeah. And I um, would imagine you could just say the ch- American church, yeah, right, it, right, compared to the rest of the world church, right, right, right with comforts and yeah, yeah, you know. totally, yeah. Um, and so you know, I felt like I felt like our church can handle that kind of a hard word, but at the same time, embrace the beauty of the promises that are in there and and uh, how God is is um, how Jesus doesn't leave them. He loves them and, and the steps that he gives them to kind yeah. of rekindle the, the, the passion for him. And, yeah. And I thought you did a good so. job at saying it. Like, look, there's a problem, but he's not leaving you. Yeah. Like, he's not, mm-hmm. he's yeah. not just right out the door into the next house. He's, yeah. he's standing on your porch saying, come on, dude, let me yeah. in. <laughs> like, yeah. let's get this right. right. Yeah. And I, I was eager to sort of talk about the contextual stuff. I enjoy that. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. um, what was going on in Laodicea with and how Christ's words were actually matching mm-hmm. and, and speaking cool. into yeah. the context and kind of reframing the, the hot and cold. Mm-hmm. Like I had grew, mm-hmm. grew up in a really Christian culture mm-hmm. that talked about, you know, that Jesus is going to spit you out of his mouth if you're mm-hmm. lukewarm and mm-hmm. don't ever fade and be, mm-hmm. I'm like, wait, you know, so to kind of read that again and, yeah. and go through that and, I've I've learned I've learned about that years and years ago, but to kind so of really teach that, on that, was that exciting. sermon yesterday was more of a you working out yeah, your childhood was, trauma yeah, and exactly. processes and like crying in the back afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back with questions. All right, you guys ready to get into some questions? Yeah, we got a bunch of good good ones this week. All right, here we go. First one, I have loved my time at GEBC. I have two questions that I've been thinking about for a while while attending the church. Number one, why do we not stand when we read from the Bible? And number two, why are there no women on the elder board? The church does a good job of communicating respect for women, especially when John preached on Colossians 3.18 this summer, so why are they not included as elders? So we have two questions here. Yeah. Um, we'll take the first one first. Why do we not stand when we read from the Bible? Yeah. I, um, it was interesting. We, we kind of were texting about this question, and uh, Matt, you and I were kind of on the same wavelength. I was like, we do stand for the reading of the Bible. <laughs> right. <laughs> because almost every single week in the last two years maybe now, we have started our service uh, reading God's Word, and you always invite us to stand. Right. 95% of the time. Usually. You invite yeah. us to stand for the reading of God's, right. of God's word. Yeah, I was thinking, I don't know, maybe this person realized that we were standing and then thought, wait, I don't see this every time. I mean, yeah, I don't maybe. know, maybe Could it be. brought yeah. that up, but. Mm-hmm. I, it is not but our, we did yesterday. <laughs> it is not our practice to, stay, to say, all right, we're about to read God's word. Let's all stand mm-hmm. in respect mm-hmm. of God's word right. or, or something to that. But we do stand. You you do have a stand often for the reading of his word. And we don't do it as a regular practice. There are certainly times throughout the year um, where we do invite people to stand for the reading of God's word. Yeah, yeah. more formally. Mm-hmm. Um, 
we've had uh, uh, elders do that as a part of um, different, you know, mm-hmm. prayer and things mm-hmm. like that. Hey, why don't we all stand? And there, as I read there are God's church word. traditions, right? Yeah. There are different denominations with that do it every time, and yeah, that, that can be a beautiful mm-hmm. thing. I don't per- personally. Um, I don't do it out of uh, respect or reverence or anything like that. I do it for a very practical reason. I do it to initiate the beginning of our worship service mm-hmm. and to get you mm-hmm. getting your mind straight. Because I'm watching everyone coming in, mm-hmm. messing with their kids, messing with their coffee, turning their phone off, maybe yeah. getting on their phone, maybe like right. getting their <laughs> coats. I mean, I'm just, I'm watching it and there's nothing right. that has brought us into a, like a, Boom, let's yeah. go. Here we right. go. And so, call to right. worship. Call to worship, yeah. right? And so, so this honestly, is the that's why I first thing you do, because I cannot you're tell usually, you. You're not here? Never. I, <laughs> I was like, so this is so interesting. This is the first thing you do? At a, uh, okay. Noted. You're usually yeah. making your way up from I, the basement. By the time I enter, somebody off. everybody's already standing. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah. anyway, I'm all like, excuse me, is there room in that row for us? There's only six of us. <laughs> I don't think, you know, we don't have... And I'm not... Hold on, sorry. I'm not saying you shouldn't do it out of breath. Oh, no. I'm not saying anything like that. I'm just saying that that's right. my reason. Right. It hasn't been a practice for us. And I would say this is probably true in... I'm trying to think of another example where, um, you, you know, the, the idea is that this is one way that you help your congregation cultivate respect mm-hmm. and, and um, honoring mm-hmm. of God's word. So it's a... It's a, it's a formal way of saying this is the yeah. value we put on Scripture, and we hold it so highly that we aren't just going to sit here mm-hmm. and, and listen to these words. We're going to stand out of respect and reverence. And, and I don't think that's wrong, to, to your point. Yeah. I also don't think it necessarily cultivates that either. Mm-hmm. I, I, mm-hmm. I think um, we are much more interested in people honoring and respecting God's word by living it out. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and so you can get into, and not every church will do this, certainly. You can hold both of those things where you mm-hmm. ask people to stand mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you you focus yeah. on living it out and, and that, that being the number one way that you respect God's word. But I think there is a, a, a potentially a... a a pitfall to say, you know, well, we stand for the mm-hmm. reading of God's word. That's how respectful we are. Mm-hmm. And then we don't put it into yeah. practice at yeah. all in our lives. Yeah, then it becomes like a legalistic right. motion. Right. right. It's much yeah. like, well, we, yeah, we pray at mm-hmm. the end, you know, before meals and at mm-hmm. bedtime. It's like, well, that's kind of just things to mark your day. Mm-hmm. Are, are you praying at time, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> the yeah. off times of the, mm-hmm. you, know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? So, well, yeah, we absolutely. stand for God's word. We respect God's word. We stand when it's read. Right. Or the, the, or the dad who, you know, on, on his way here with his family was, you know, cussing and yelling at his kid. And then they come into the row and then, oh, but we stand for, for God's, God's word. word. We like, respect it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, mm-hmm. I, I hope that helps this person as they, they kind of under, it's not that we, yeah. we don't think that that's a way to respect God's word. We just don't think it's the primary way. Mm-hmm. And we'd mm-hmm. rather focus on, um, on living it out mm-hmm. and doing what it says. And, Whether or not this person is a man or a woman, but they could be late to service like I am as well. So <laughs> maybe, maybe, right, right. Maybe because right. <laughs> when you guys were like, we do, I was like, we do, but that's because I'm not there yeah. promptly at 1030. So, so let's talk about that a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I live in Galatians 5.1. I live free. <laughs> you know, no, it's, yeah. it's interesting. I, at, um, I, when I went to Wheaton, there was a, um, a young woman, every time the Bible was read in chapel, they don't always, you don't, they don't always ask everybody to stand for the reading of God's word. Sometimes they do similar to what mm-hmm. we do here at GBC, mm-hmm. but every single time the Bible was read, she stood up. Mm. And at one level it was like, Oh, that's pretty, you know, kind of bold. She's, she's kind of bold. Mm-hmm. Like she's got, and yeah. another level it was like, man, you really, that's mm. kind of really like, well, I think you said legalistic, mm. right? Or, or, mm-hmm. or, you know, it was like, and possibly distracting. It, exactly. Right? Yeah. It was like, mm-hmm. it, 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 I didn't know her well, but it kind of, you kind of got the feeling of like, well, look how, how, how good I am. I mm. stand, you know, mm-hmm. you, it could have that vibe. Mm-hmm. So sure. interesting anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's get to question two. Okay. Uh, the second part of this question, why are there no women on the elder board? Um, church does a good job communicating respect for women, especially when John, when you preached on Colossians 3.18 this summer. So why are they not included as elders? It's a great question. You know, this is a question that uh, comes up uh, a couple times a year. I think we've answered it on the, or talked about it on the podcast 
oh, I don't know, over the last however many years we've been doing this, probably 10, 10 times or so. It's interesting. It usually comes up around uh, the membership time when people are interviewing and looking at kind of the nitty gritty mm -hmm. of the church. And uh, so it's a, it's a great question. So I'll try my best to answer it. But I will, before I go into answering the question, I will say that um, we have written a lot on this topic. And if you are interested in seeing what the church has written, the elder board has gone through uh, a process of writing on this and, and Kelly has written on this. And, and, um, and so if you're interested in learning more or want to have a, a deeper, more personal conversation around this issue, we, we would invite that. So feel free to email me or Kelly or text back in and we'll, we'll take care of it that way too. But so what I would say is that GBC holds the position that we call uh, modified complementarian. So just quickly, complementarian and egalitarian would be kind of on two opposite ends of the, the spectrum. Complementarian meaning that men and women um, hold equal roles, but they're complementary to each other. So they're specific, or sorry, they, have, they hold equal uh, worth and value, but they have roles that complement each other. So there's roles in the church that are specific only for women, roles in the church that are specific only to men. Egalitarian would say that men and women have equal, ver equal value, equal worth, and can hold any, e either uh, man or woman can hold any role or any title or any position within the church. So GBC says we are modified complementarian. And what that means is we believe that, that men and women are uh, created uh, differently, but that they do have equal value and equal worth, and that there are some specific roles that are, are different or held uh, uh, for men. And we... So we follow 1 Timothy 2, verse 12, where it talks about men um, holding the role of elders in the church. And so we hold on to, to that and we reserve those roles on the elder board um, for men. And that includes uh, the senior pastor role, the teaching role at the church. Why we say we're modified is that we do have women that will serve as pastors in the church. We, have ha we currently don't have any women pastors on staff, but we have in the recent past, and I'm sure that we will uh, in the future. And so, um, we do have women uh, that um, that serve in, in that way. So, again, we just talked about um, you know how do we how do we honor and um, and respect um, women, and I would say you know they they alluded to the sermon that I gave Colossians three eighteen, and I think you know that's. Uh, following what God's word says about honoring, caring, loving, and respecting uh, women and submitting to your, uh, to your wife um, is, uh, is probably the highest way that we can, we can pay respect to women. So I just want to reiterate, there's, no, there's nothing that we say that women have less value or less worth. We believe that both men and women have the same value, the same worth, nor uh, is it a matter of competence. Yeah, or, or competence. Or right. intelligence or right. qualification. Or right. Like, you know, yeah. professionally speaking. Like. It's, this has been how our church in, 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 in Glen Ellen on 501 Hillside has, has looked at God's word and has looked at our, our situation. And this is the, the steps that we have taken and the, the stand that we've taken um, on this issue. It's, for some, it's not complementarian enough. For others, it's not egalitarian enough. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we were just talking before uh, we started to record that there are many in the church who who love and kind of embrace and understand this. There are others in the church that are far more complementarian, and there are some in the church, others in the church that are far more egalitarian. And one of the things that we have done, I think, a decent job at as a church is has said this is this is how we have have um, decided that we are going to be <laughs> as a church in around this issue, um, but we're not going to let this issue be the ultimate defining thing at Glen Ellen Bible Church. And we allow for staff to have differing. We have staff that are would lean more complementarian and staff that would lean more egalitarian, and yet we can serve together, minister together, worship together. That we don't make this issue a a primary part of 
of our church. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so we do to have people that have, have been uh, on, those, on, the, on the spectrum, right? Like they've been way more complementarian and they don't feel comfortable with some of the leadership roles that women have had at the church in worship. And, and we, have, we do have women speak uh, in the, from the pulpit uh, throughout the year and, and they've not been comfortable with that. And we say, you might not be comfortable here at Glen Allen Bible. If, that, if that's a big issue for you, um, you might want to find another place where you aren't just, your spirit isn't just at unrest mm-hmm. on this issue. The same has been true for people who are egalitarian, where they, you know, they really, they struggle with, um, with, with, you know, the place that we've landed. And we say, you know what, there's great churches where you can serve and pl- be plugged in and feel more at peace on this issue. Mm-hmm. So yeah. go ahead. Okay, I said I wasn't going to say anything. (laughs) (laughs) Before the podcast, she was like, I'm not going to say anything. (laughs) This could be my last podcast. um, (laughs) I know you're fine. No, I know, I know. Um, I think what I want to say is that if you look up, wait, 1 Timothy, right? 1 Timothy 2.12. So the scripture says, I do not permit a woman to teach or to assume authority over a man. She must be quiet. So <laughs> should I just stop right now? Yeah. Um, so obviously this scripture is in a context that is applicable to the audience at this time. And um, I th- I'm, I'm going to take a, a venture here and wonder if the person asking this question reads something like that and is super confused because it's, sure. if you read it literal, then there shouldn't be any role for a woman in leadership. I shouldn't be on this podcast. We shouldn't have women here at church leading communion, right? right? So then you have to zoom out and say, well, there's got to be something that's in context to that isn't applicable to us anymore. And yes. so as I'm listening to you, it, I'm thinking, I have, you know, Nancy and I together, we, we talked about this just yesterday when the question came and I was like, babe, what am I going to say? He's um, like, are you sure you want to be on this podcast? <laughs> Um, so I think for, you know, for Anthony and I, it's not, it's not a deal breaker for us that we're still processing through what does this look like? Um, because we just were accepted as members yesterday. Don't, please don't read that (laughs) because I'm, I'm just asking questions. Um, but if you read that verse alone, it's confusing and any, any woman, and I guess I may be speaking for myself here that has any sort of leadership and sees themselves particularly in ministry with an opportunity to speak and to, um, you know, share and lead and, you know, whatever that looks like. Um, and then you're, you also, um, have this theology. And when I hear you say, you're saying we took a stance or this is what we've decided. What I'm hearing you say is this is the theology, this is the way we've interpreted Mm-hmm. scripture in the mm-hmm. new Testament. And maybe, and maybe it is just this one single verse, but I'm, I'm assuming there's a lot yeah, more that other, is forming your, sure. There's other yeah, ver- verses yeah. that go, that go into right. it. And, and I don't have all those. No, in- totally. And I'm not, no, please don't hear you. me challenging. I'm no, just no, saying no. what I'm, how I reconcile. Cause I hear a question like this in many circles, not just here at GBC totally. yes. and, and have made the decision to trust yeah. the leadership and the elders of this church, which we just became members to have done their very best yes. to yeah. interpret and to apply. And I, f- I feel like I've heard Kelly say, and we might not even have it right. And not just to <laughs> this particular discussion, yeah. but in, in others, I mean, we're, we're, everyone's doing their best they can to interpret the Bible. It's not, you know, a given that we're getting everything right. Yes. So I hear this question and I want to say if it's particularly if it's a woman, you know, to re it's, it's one thing to hear people say the church believes there's equal value and worth in men and women. And yeah. it's another thing to see it demonstrated in which you feel like that's contrary. Yeah. And so you have to decide and I have had to decide for myself, do I believe that for myself, that there's equal value for men and women. And, and if the church is saying, this is what we believe, is it played out? Is it demonstrated? And that's a filter that we all have to do for ourselves. We have to make that decision. So to he, I think I even said it before we started today, I was actually surprised to see and hear that GEBC would have a woman as a pastor. Like, oh, yeah. that's, that's news to me. And that made me feel so good yeah. <laughs> to see that that would be a role that yeah. Glenn Bible would, would welcome for a woman because if elder is reserved according to your interpretation, the, the church's interpretation from scripture for men, mm-hmm. then, 
and you're saying there's equal value, which I believe you believe, then um, as many opportunities that you can give women in leadership, I think only benefits the church. So that's a good word. And you know, uh, um, yeah, I don't know where to, to where you want me to jump Mm -hmm. in to answer your question, but, um, or, or did I even ask a question? No, you you kind of did. I'm so confused. So there's on the, on the first Timothy two twelve. Yes. I can see where someone might be confused. So, um, there is some cultural contextual things that are going on there, but what we would say in, in, in terms of the being quiet, so, but what we would say of 1 Timothy 2.12 is that it's an affirmation of Paul's um, understanding that the, the most authoritative teaching role in the church is reserved for, uh, for a man in the position of teaching elder. Gotcha. Makes and sense. so uh, that part of that verse is what we would take. The being quiet in church is probably, and we don't have to get all into this, into a reference of some cultural things that are happening Mm -hmm. uh, in uh, the church that Timothy is pastoring. So um, it's not that women can't speak in the church. We don't take that, but we would take from that portion of Timothy to say that 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 is uh, affirming um, the, the biblical sort of path and narrative of what hierarchy looks like, what complementarity looks like, and what the reservation of the teaching role mm-hmm. looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, so it gets, you know, we, yeah, we take the, the theology on it. We start way back in Genesis mm-hmm. and we say that, that God designed creation, you know, in a, in a hierarchical relationship that that's present in the very beginning male headship. Um, gender specific roles, those, those sorts of things. And then we, we would take that into, to Corinthians and Ephesians, um, where we see sort of that, those, and Colossians, which we preached on Mm -hmm. that hierarchy being lived out Mm -hmm. and what that really truly Mm -hmm. looks like and how it affirms, it continues to affirm, uh, male eldership, and yet at the same time, the empowerment and the the opportunities for women mm-hmm. to to lead in in certain situations and in their context and and be pastors mm-hmm. and have those um, those responsibilities. And so, I think your word of anytime we can give women positions of um, responsibility and and leadership and and those sorts of things, we we take it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, many are not comfortable, would be sure. more comfortable yeah. with a woman preaching than they are leading communion. Interesting. And we have women that lead communion more times um, over the last mm-hmm. year than we have had men. Mm-hmm. And we've done that specifically to give women who have gifts in teaching an opportunity to teach in that slot. Mm-hmm. And we, we see that as a place. We see women leading in, in worship. We have female worship leaders who who lead right from the front, many who are comp- very complimentary are not comfortable mm-hmm. with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, man, it, I'll, I'll be the first to admit that I would, I would, I would say exactly what Kelly says is that, you know, we are, we are, um, this is where we have landed mm-hmm. and, and settled mm-hmm. and, um, and, and it's, it's, it work it's works for our church. Yeah. We be, we've done the work. Mm-hmm. We feel comfortable with where we've landed. We feel confident in it. Mm-hmm. And, and we want both men and women to feel, um, the, that they have the same worth, the same value, um, in God's eyes. So yeah. that's good. That's good. And if you are, uh, struggling with that, this idea, if you, if you haven't figured out where to land, can we encourage you to yeah. dig deep, drill mm-hmm. down deep on this, mm-hmm. right? There is so much writing. On both sides, mm-hmm. there's arguments on both sides. Read through all of it. Mm-hmm. Do a deep dive. Mm-hmm. Do a deep dive in the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Pray and figure out what you're going to hold on to tightly, yeah. and what you're going to hold on to loosely. And I don't want to assume that the, if someone does that, they're going to have the same experience that I did when I did it. But I was overwhelmed with the love that Jesus has for women. Yeah. So that right. was my takeaway. Where we land theologically, it's not a deal breaker for me. I, I love thinking yeah. and processing through it, right. but I, I'm not, con- I'm not at all doubting the love and commitment that Jesus had, had in scripture and has today mm-hmm. for women. And that's yeah. super, yeah. that's all I need right there. That's good. Mm-hmm. And, I, and you know, this person says, I, I've loved my time at GBC. 
I love that you've left your time mm-hmm. here. That's really encouraging yeah. to me. Yeah. And I don't know how long your time has been here, but one of the things that actually 10 years ago when I was sitting here with, you know, with Carrie, we, we visited the church for the first time. It was not long after being here, just a couple Sundays where Kelly preached on, um, I can't even remember what it was, but it was this really powerful t- to what you're sharing about Christ's, um, uh, Christ's love and honoring and connection. I think it was, it had something to do around the Christmas time of mm. the, who visited the tomb and who was, who was, um, he's, he's preached on this before, but who was actually entrusted with the message yeah. to share with everyone that right. Jesus was risen. And it was, it was, Mary. it was Mary, Mary his yeah. women at yeah. the tomb. Yeah. And, um, what a powerful, yeah. um, you know, picture that is mm-hmm. for us and what we can learn from that and everything. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, GBC has been a place that has, has tried to navigate this difficult issue as best we can mm-hmm. and has consistently looked for opportunities and church, we have not done it perfectly mm. uh, of, of, of respecting women, giving women authority where we can and, and leadership where we can and responsibility where we can while still holding to what we believe God is saying yeah. in scripture. So that's probably enough on that issue. <laughs> Question three, let's right, go. Let's go to the next one. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's all we have for today, but if you have any further questions, no. Okay, here we go. Next question. How do I know if I am depending on Jesus or I am depending on money? What principles should I follow? What guidelines should I have? Great question. When you find the answer, <laughs> let me know because I would love <laughs> to know myself. It's interesting. Uh, not too long ago, um, I, I preached on on money <laughs> Maybe you guys can remember better than I can what it was in Luke, but it was, I talked about money and I, I got the exact same question. Mm. Like what, where's the detail? Mm -hmm. Like, give Mm -hmm. me detail. Mm -hmm. Like, am I allowed to buy this or not buy this? Am I allowed to, Mm -hmm. to, should I save this much or not save this much? Or, you know, I've got this massive 401k. Is that bad? You know, these details about it's bad. Send it my way. <laughs> Sorry. Send it my it's, way. <laughs> is it, um, you know, if I give, I mean, I get questions like if I give appreciated assets. So if you donate stock mm-hmm. to the church, is that really giving mm-hmm. or, or mm-hmm. should you be giving out of your income? All sorts mm-hmm. of these nuanced, yeah. difficult questions. How much should I spend? And well, if I, if I send my kids to Christian school, does that count as a tithe? You know, if I do like guys, the questions Mm -hmm. around Mm -hmm. money that come to pastors, especially when you preach on it, Mm -hmm. uh, it's unbelievable what people are wrestling with and trying to figure it out. And it's, it's unbelievable how the Bible does not specifically say how you are to handle your money. It doesn't give you percentages. It doesn't say, make sure you have enough for when you retire so you're not a burden to your kids. It says nothing of those sorts of things. It doesn't say you can spend this much discretionary on entertainment, you know, the, the sort of the, um, the envelope system where you, that, that's all human constructs. Yeah. Those, the, they, there's some of it that's loosely based in some scriptural principles, but, um, but there's nothing really specific. What's interesting is that when the Bible talks about money, it most often is talking about it in the, it, when it's talking about idolatry yeah. and this, in the state of your heart. Mm-hmm. And so when people ask me this question, so how do I know? Well, it's up to you to know your heart. If you feel a stitch in your stomach or a, a check in your heart, you're probably not being generous mm. enough. You're probably not. You probably should give more away. Um, and the more you might give away, the more free you will likely feel. Um, because the truth is, is that just because you don't make as much money as somebody else doesn't mean that you have money is not an issue. Like it's only an issue for the rich. There are lots of people in poverty where money has, is an idol in their lives and their heart is bent towards it in a way that is unhealthy. Mm -hmm. So just the fact that you earn less doesn't make you less susceptible um, to making money a God. In fact, you know, I know a lot of people who live paycheck to paycheck that worship money and, um, and so, you know, I, I, I gave a book recommendation. The book is very helpful in helping us unpack what God's design is for money, what he thinks about money. Um, 
it talks, you know, through verses like first Timothy five, eight, where, where, um, where Paul tells, you know, Timothy to instruct the people in the church that they should work hard and earn a living. Mm -hmm. And what does that mean? Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so, man, I really, really wish I could give, um, some really specific, you know, give 10%, you know, save five, always have three months of savings in your bank. Like that's just not in the Bible. Mm -hmm. It's not. And that's what I know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I know I'm perfect. It's not my, like I'm a a phenomenal biblical scholar or anything like Mm -hmm. that. But from a biblical, theological, pastoral perspective, the aim of the Bible when it talks about money is at the heart Mm -hmm. of the person and that it makes nothing, nothing a God, nothing uh, above Jesus in their life. And so if money is doing that for you, you are, you're the one that knows that. And so that's why I, I tell people, you know, let's open the conversation up about money. Like let people know how much money do you make and, and how much do you want to give away this year and, and find somebody to help you feel like you're following principles that keep you depending on Jesus and not on money. That's good. What Sounds do you guys good. think? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, um, I want to walk the line between sharing too much. And mm. sharing <laughs> I know, right? Here. I, I um, kind of want to tell story. I can tell you that there up. was a time when we, <laughs> when we lived in the city and, you know, we've been a single income family for a while now and, um, and in the ministry, obviously. And so we were living in the city and gosh, man, it's the city. Like, mm-hmm. Expensive. But I was staying committed. We were staying committed to tithing 10%. And it was a lot. I mean, it was a lot for us. But what, as I look back at that time, I was like, man, I was not a cheerful giver. And I was holding to this legalistic value of it's got to be 10%. That was my theology at the time. It's got to yeah. be 10%, 10%. Right. You start at 10 and then you move up, Yeah. you know, and then, you know, you hear, well, move up a percent or a half percent. And right. so I was trying to even do that. And, and so looking back at that, I wish somebody would have come in and said, Hey, you know what, dude, like, it's okay to say like, you can't afford 10% tithe right now. Mm-hmm. You're yeah. not being heretical by doing that. You're right. not like, let's figure out something that works Yes. And I feel like you, you should feel it a little bit, right? Like right. whatever you give, you should feel it, but you shouldn't feel it in a way where you're, you're ticked off all the time, right? right. You're just walking around going, oh my gosh, like, oh, we need more money. How can, what, what should my side hustle be? You know, and then you're giving your 10%. It's like, I don't think that's a right heart to cultivate. So I don't know if anybody is in that kind of situation, but that's one situation that I think we found ourselves in where um, it would have been helpful yeah. if, you know, someone would have come along and said, Hey, you yeah, know what? There's why don't, why don't you give 5%, mm-hmm. you know, like let's, let's open this up and let's look at, you know, something where you can mm-hmm. give and still feel it, mm-hmm. but you're being a cheerful mm-hmm. giver, mm-hmm. right? Like you're excited about giving money um, to God. Exactly. I thought your, your um, applications, the three things you kind of called us to yesterday. Yeah. And I thought those were so good. And you, one of them was be more generous. Yeah. Right. And yeah. that, that it wasn't a very black and white. I mean, it was black and white in the sense that you said be more generous, but that's how yeah. it applies to everybody is so different. Yeah. And to me, it's a, it's maybe a measurement of someone where oh, I have so much trouble with this microphone. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe it's a measurement of um, how much are we depending on the spirit? to lead us in some of these thoughts. Cause there are times where God's going to call us to give more than 10%. I mean, we make up 10% because of the old Testament law. Right. Yeah. right. But, uh, but you know, there'll be times where we are called to give to, to where it hurts and, and, yeah. and, you know, we're, we're experiencing, experiencing generosity in a way that makes us uncomfortable. And there, there could be other times where, you know, it looks different than that. So anyway, it, it, challenged me when you said that to think I need to be praying about, don't get into the rhythm, like check the box yeah. because then it's not worship. Then it's just an, it's yeah. just like a, right. you know, something I'm, we're doing because we're supposed to or whatever and miss yeah. the opportunity to hear from God, mm-hmm. which brings me to the one story I want to tell about money. It's not actually totally applicable to money, but for some reason I thought about it when we were talking about this, there was a time I was in church, not here. I promise you it was not here. <laughs> it was in DuPage County, but not here. Um, and the sermon was so boring that I had a really hard time listening and I got online and I bought 
a pair of shoes. <laughs> I'm telling you, though, it was so spirit-led because they are the best shoes that I own. And anytime I wear them, I get compliments. And I said, I bought these during church. <laughs> they're, my, they're my... I can't tell if this is confession. <laughs> if, this is, if this is bragging. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure where I'm going with this. No, I just I'm waiting to, for I, this. So every yeah. time I wear the shoes, I feel guilty. No. Or something. No, no, no. no, no you no, too no, right. can online shop at the sermon is boring. Right. Not related to money, except that it cost me money to buy the shoes. But anyway. It's interesting that, you know, the 10% thing is something we could probably go round and round and round because there's a lot of people that talk about that 10%, where it comes from. Is it in, present in the New Testament? And, and the idea of tithing versus offering. Mm, offering is, mm-hmm. you know, is in kind of a New Testament principle. Tithing is, this, is an Old Testament right sort of uh, principle. And the truth is, is that if everybody in the church started giving 10% of their income or their worth, the church would have, it couldn't fill, it would fill this room. Yeah. I mean, it, it sure. there is so much, uh, um, you know, money in our, in, in the, the church. And so it's not, and God doesn't need it. That's the thing. I mean, he has the cattle of a thousand hills. He's got everything, you know, he doesn't need our money. Yeah. Our money is connected with our heart in, in a way. What we do with it, how we, how we handle it. God wants our, he wants our allegiance. He wants our heart. He wants all of us. He wants, he wants us fully bought into him and completely and fully relying on him. Mm-hmm. And so money is a part of that process so that we need, we need to be very careful with it. We need to understand it. We need to, to steward it. We need to, um, yeah, to control it or else it will, no matter how much you make it, it will control you if you don't have it in a place Mm -hmm. of, uh, of control in, in your life. And Mm -hmm. when I say that God doesn't need our money, I want to be really careful. Like that's how work gets done. Like ministry gets, Mm -hmm. gets done. Um, but you know, <laughs> so you need to you need to give to organizations, to churches, to things like that. Certainly, um, but let's let us not put the control of what happens in this world on us and what we earn and give. Mm-hmm. Let's put it on God and who He is. So, yeah. All right, let's go to the next one. You talked about Laodicea being known for finances, medicine, and luxury clothing and how pursuing those things caused them to rely on themselves and not Jesus. But in your application, you only really focused on the finance slash riches part. Is it possible to have medicine or luxuries do the same thing to our faith? Somebody listening really closely. No kidding. Wow. (laughs) Well done. That's awesome. That's a great, great question. And I will be totally honest with you. In that I, uh, I did not want to address those other topics. Mm. Like it came to my mm. my mind, and I thought, man, do I have time mm-hmm. in my prep and study and all that to to really cover this? And I I just don't think I did. And I justify it by saying this. So first, <laughs> it's it's directly mentioned in the passage that the people say, "I am rich." The people don't say. I am healthy, mm-hmm. or the people don't say I am well clothed. So I felt like, okay, Jesus is clearly addressing this finance rich issue. Now I get it. You can kind of lump those things into the word rich, but I do think that there, the, the monetary stuff that was going on in Laodicea. So the second reason I, I would say I, I, that I justified only really focusing on that issue is that um, it's the most clearly defined idol in the, in the rest of, of scripture. And it's probably the thing that we wrestle with the most here at GEBC. Um, do I, do I think that people, uh, can, can get into a place where they, where the focus on their health brings them away from relying fully on, on Jesus? Totally. But I, I don't think that that's a daily battle for the majority of our, our church. I don't know. What do you guys what do you guys think? Did I miss the mark? <laughs> no, I mean, that makes total sense. I, is it, I wonder if this question's coming from the increased discussion around vaccines these days. You yeah, know? I kind of wondered that too. Yeah. 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 And, 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 you know, health in general and, and um, all different ways that we, 
from our eating to mm-hmm. our exercise mm-hmm. to natural medicine to non-natural medicine, like all that yeah. conversation. Yeah. I definitely, as I started to kind of think about, I definitely think that that can move us away from relying on Christ where we, we throw all that, <laughs> our attention and our, our focus and our, our, you know, alliance on those, those sorts of things. I mean, there's a phrase, right? The health and wealth, you know, gospel. Sure. Mm-hmm. So there definitely is a, mm-hmm. a, a danger there and, and luxury items can, can do the same thing. Um, I mean, the truth is that really anything can draw us away from relying fully on Christ. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pick yeah. your idol, mm-hmm. put it in the, put it in the place of mm-hmm. uh, giving your heart and your attention and your focus on it instead of Jesus. And it's there, but mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. All right, let's go to the next one. Is there more depth to the imagery of the gold, white, clothes, and salves that Jesus offers in Revelation 3.18? How would that be understood by the church? Yeah. I'd I'd love your guys' thoughts. I'll take an initial stab at it here, but I don't think that there is more going on than sort of the clearest, most plain, basic reading of the text. I don't think there's some kind of deeper or secret meaning to the text here. I do think that Jesus was really trying to point out, and I will say if you were in second service, I did it better (laughs) than I did in first service. In, uh, I think Jesus was strategically and appropriately uh, connecting his words to the the life in Laodicea. Mm -hmm. And so I think when he says things like, I am going to give you true riches, pure gold, pure gold being or gold that was refined by, that is real value and rich. Mm. I'm going to give you that. The riches that you're pursuing are not that. And I think there was this, you know, you are, you are producing and you're known for sort of this, this medical salve and people are, you're famous for it and it's making you money and all those sort of things. I'm going to give you the true, real healing of your eyes so that they're open and, Mm -hmm. and you can see more of me and understand and you have, you're free and you're not blind any longer. And yeah, you guys, you, you make this beautiful black cloth and you're, Mm -hmm. it's a luxury thing and you're known for that. Well, let me give you these white clothes that cover you. So I, I don't think there's any deeper meaning Mm -hmm. than, than that. I don't know. When are you, are you guys tracking with that? percent agree. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't have much to add to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I, I, that's what it is too. I just love how you pointed it out, how these are the three things they were known for. And these are the three things Jesus addresses. Like it's just, it was so personal of him. Oh, totally. I hope they felt so seen and known by yeah. what he honed in on. Yeah. yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. I, I mean, think it is cool when you see things that connect in, in the Bible mm-hmm. yeah. on a deeper level. It, right. it is really cool. And there are definitely some things that will pass by the first or second or third or even 10th time you read it. Mm-hmm. Right. And the 11th time you're like, oh, wait a minute. Or maybe you read a commentary and you go, oh, I didn't know that. And it's cool. And it's it's a faith strengthener sometimes, right. but it doesn't happen. It's not in every passage. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. And there can be a tendency to lean too far one way or the other, right? Yeah. Where we, um, where we say, you know, the Bible's the Bible and you just read the Bible and the Bible tells you what's true. <laughs> Where it's like, okay, well, the other extreme is like, you can't ever understand the Bible Mm -hmm. unless you know, Mm -hmm. you know, Greek, Hebrew, Mm -hmm. anthropology, archaeology, you know, um, Near East study, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like you could go like crazy. That isn't true either. Right. Um, Understanding context and history and archaeology, it just, it just opens the doors for, um, for what God's doing in his word and helps us understand it more and apply it better. And, and, you know, so. And a lot of times when, when people try to add mysticism to the scriptures, that's when you usually get an offshoot of, right. Of a denomination of, you know, like, yeah, totally. So you just kind of have to be careful about that. But yes, there are some things throughout the old Testament, new Testament that are connected in really cool ways. And you do have to do a little bit deeper of a study to find it. And it's, and it's great. It's like the gold here was in verse 25 and yeah, right. there was gold brought to Jesus on December 25th. And you're like, <laughs> wait a second. Now. <laughs> That's not happening. <laughs> but it's true. I mean, that you're right. I mean, there can be this sort of, you know, look right. at all this weird things. You Numbers know? of this word. Right. There's five letters in the, in the word shoes. Yeah. I know. And, I'm still thinking about that. it was that. November 5th. I probably on shouldn't the, have bought that those. That was the date of the sermon that... <laughs> 
Simone listened to. I know. I do confess. I do confess that was a wrong. And the shoes were fifty five dollars. Yeah. Yeah, my bad. I just I can't wait till the podcast is done so we can find out what church it was. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we have this final question, but we are going to we're we're gonna set it up and then we're gonna answer it next week when Kelly is back. Yeah. So we got a question about the weird stuff in Revelation, how the series is set up, and wondering if we're going to get into the weird stuff in the book. We'll leave that one for Kelly to answer next week. Do you want to say anything else about the question? Yeah, it was a, it was a, a great question, kind of a, a lengthy question about, hey, I thought we, you know, Revelations is kind of this crazy, mm-hmm. weird book, and, mm-hmm. I'm, and it seems like we haven't been really getting into the, the details, sort of, of like, what is the dragon, and what mm-hmm. is this, and what, you know, I'm... Right, I'm, right. I'm Assuming there's this tons is, of imagery, yeah, tons yeah. of imagery right. and sort of some really crazy yeah. stuff. And Kelly has touched on some of it. You know, give us a little credit, right? A little bit. We've, <laughs> we've touched on some stuff yeah. here and there. Um, but I, I, you know, I'm I don't know. Uh, Kelly and I have not talked, and I wouldn't want to put words in his mouth of what he's trying to do or what he feels like God is is put on his heart with Revelation. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if there is more on some of the weird stuff that he's going to tackle. Right. So since he's not here. We'll make sure that you uh, you tune we'll, in next we'll, week. We'll, yeah, get we'll into give that. you Sherry's full thoughts on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. All right, all right. Well, that's all the questions we have for you today. If you have any further questions, comments, or concerns, don't hesitate. Text the next level podcast six three zero four seven four sixty one sixty four. Our podcast is dedicated to answering listener questions on two levels: answering specific questions about last Sunday's sermon, and also general questions regarding broader topics within the Christian faith. We love God and believe that scripture is a primary means for our getting to know him. And our hope is that this podcast extends the learning opportunity for all who want to know God better, strengthening not only your faith, but my faith and our faith together. Thank you for joining us. And thank you listeners for tuning in to the next level. prophecy.